It is my privilege to invite you to today's sermon podcast. I have made the Apostle Paul's prayer request my own. When he states in Ephesians six nineteen, pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, the words may be given to me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. May today's sermon come alive to you and aid you in your understanding of God's plan for your life. Thank you. Well, thank you, worship team and tithe collectors, and thank you, Pastor Jason. What a wonderful opening to our service. And I know they can't hear me, but thank you, children workers. I could not be up here without you all. So, thank you all who came to support me today. I love you all. Um, What a great way to increase our attendance. (laughs) Just invite my whole family. (laughs) What a great morning to be here in the house of the Lord with you today. It is such an honor to share this message and study God's word together. I want to start with the basics of how to have faith in God, because none of these other points are going to add up to anything if we don't have this foundation and understanding of faith. When someone is struggling with challenges in life, I say something along the lines, you need Jesus to help you, or the Lord will guide you, or sometimes I just plain say, you need Jesus. (laughs) I tend to get a look as well to say, how is that going to help my situation? I think it really frustrates people that my answer to all of life's difficulties is Jesus. They don't see him as a real-world solution. And that's because, one, they don't know him, and two, they have no faith. They're wanting these big, difficult, complex answers for their big problems. It reminds me of the story of Naaman, a big, important, wealthy commander wanting a cure for his leprosy. But he was furious when Elijah's messenger showed up and gave him some silly instructions. He wanted the prophet to personally come see him and do some sort of big show to cure his illness. Naaman was so mad that he was willing to go away without even being healed. But he was convinced to try that simple task of washing in the Jordan seven times. The little faith he had to do what Elijah command proved to be worth his time, for he was completely cured of leprosy. To have faith in God, you must not rely on self. We have no faith of our own. If we could get faith on our own doing, boasting would surely occur. It is as simple as Naaman's task. Ask for faith in him, and he will give it to you. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Matthew 7, 7. And the way that faith grows is by God showing you his own faithfulness and by answering questions that you have, prayers that are being heard, and even showing you how much he loves you when you need it the most. 
God is so amazing. I was a very rebellious youth, surprisingly. (laughs) But I still talked to God often, and I prayed. He had his hand on me even when I was running in the complete opposite direction at 100 miles per hour. He never left me in gently directing me to the life, purpose, and future he had waiting for me. His plans are so much better than we could even imagine. Where God guides, he provides. That's what I've been telling myself throughout this week. That the Lord equips me to do his will. It is by faith that I am standing here in front of you all. In all seriousness, I and many prayer warriors have been praying over this message and this service. That it is from God to bless those that hear it and to bring him glory. The sermon title for today is Satan's Tactics in Making Us Feeble in Spiritual Warfare. And it's funny that this is the topic, because man, the past 48 hours, have I (laughs) been stressed, and it's been crazy, all the way from babies getting sick, getting me sick, to the Wi-Fi going out while writing my sermon, to the printer not working when I got here. (laughs) It is so funny that that is how it happens, and it just proves my point. I thought since we are so close to Halloween, this would be a great topic to discuss. Many in the church today give little thought to the unseen realm. It's all around us. We're going to look at some of the ways Satan and those that follow him plot against us. We'll see how to recognize a trap or a spiritual attack. And what I hope most is to equip you with spiritual discernment and show you the weapons that God has given us so that we as Christ followers are willing and able, willing and able, to fight in the spiritual battle, to claim victory over that serpent of old. Our text today comes from 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 through 6. And then we're going to skip down to chapter 5. But I'll give you guys some time to find 1 John chapter 4, starting at verse 1. And if you would join me by standing for the reading of Scripture. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even is now already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. 
but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Now we're going to skip down to chapter 5, all the way to verse 18. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps him safe, and the evil one cannot harm him. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Let me read that again. We know that we are the children of God and the whole world is under the control of the evil one. You may be seated. It goes on to say in chapter 5, The Son of God has come and given us understanding that we know him that is true, meaning God the Father. And we in him who is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ, he is the true God and eternal life. So, We are to test the spirits to see if they truly are from God or if they are false. God has overcome all demonic spirits of the Antichrist. For Jesus, the one who is in us, is greater than the one in the world. We can take comfort in knowing the evil one cannot harm us who have Christ. But it is also wise not to take lightly that the fact of the matter is the world is under the control of the evil one. So let's take a dive into some of the evil one's tactics. Doubt in God. This is his easiest, or as I like to call it, the lazy method of deception. If we are to doubt that the very existence of God, then there are no repercussions for our sins or our actions. We can do whatever we please. With no true living God, there is no debt for our sins. We can live by our own truth and our own will to be our own God. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Does that sound familiar? A wicked, wicked man said that. Alistair Crowley, if you know about this guy, I'm sorry. (laughs) He's not fun to research. This dude is evil. Much of his writings and discoveries in magic is where the occult practices, Satanism and Luciferian worship stems from. Also, he is really, really big in the music industry and the entertainment industry. Some very influential people have used his methods to communicate with demons and obtain power from the ruler of this world. Guys, this isn't a joke. This is real stuff that's happening in our world. We as the church shall boldly call out evil and warn the people of these wicked ways. Who else will cry out for repentance but the children of God? And boy, does America need repentance right now. This is real stuff, and it is happening. It is becoming more and more evident, flaunting it in our faces. Just in the last few years, it has gotten noticeably worse. I can hear the shouts and screeches, 
it's my body. I'll do what I want. It's how I feel. I know what's best. I, 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 I. That sure sounds familiar. I wonder, I wonder where we all heard that from. I don't know. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost high mounts of Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. Oh, that was Satan. Satan gets to you, gets you to trust in self rather than the almighty, all-knowing God that created everything. He tricked Adam and Eve to make them think that they should be their own God. To be like him, knowing good and evil. There, was, there has been war in the spiritual realm since then. Trust in self and stop trusting in God is Satan's message. We hear atheists back their theories of no God with science, believing that educated individuals are too intelligent to accept a purely fictional character or to live their lives by a fairy tale book, saying something along the lines, I don't rely on faith. I put my trust in facts and the evidence. The definition of science, the systematic study of the structure and behavior of the physical and natural world through observation, experimentation, and the testing of theories against the evidence obtained. Science is trying to catch up and discover what God has already done. (laughs) His word guides us through his creation He already has told us how he planned it all out and created it to be. For example, a study has shown that the part of your brain where anxiety comes, uh, where anxiety comes from is the same part of your brain that has gratitude. You physically cannot be anxious when you are grateful. I've, I've heard that. Wait, wait a minute. Philippians. Four, uh, chapter 4, verse 6. Have no anxiety at all, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worth praise, think about these things. And uh, you want to know how good God is? My grandma has been praying for me. And this was my papa's. This is the verse that was on it. 
and I didn't even know until this morning. Oh, God is so good. The more understanding we get from science, the more difficult it is to prove that there is no God. And this is a great time. Can you roll video one? So I sent them 30 questions. I thought they were perfectly legitimate, fair questions. I said, a woodpecker's tongue goes all the way around the back of his head and comes on top of his left eyebrow, left nostril here. Would you please show me any fossils that have been found, intermediate species between a normal bird and a woodpecker, you know, with his tongue going all the way around his head? What evidence do you have on how this evolved? That question never came up. I don't know what happened to it. But I said, uh, termites chew on wood and they swallow it, but termites can't digest it. It goes into their stomach and there's little tiny critters in their intestines that actually digest the cellulose. Now those little critters can't live without the termite and those termites can't live without those critters. Which one evolved first? I thought it was a fair question, but it never came up. I don't know what happened. I think they lost my list. But anyway, one of my favorite things to do is asking questions to people who believe in evolution. So I asked this professor if I could ask him some questions about the Big Bang. He said, sure, what would you like to know? I said, well, sir, you told me 20 billion years ago all the matter in the universe was squished in this little tiny dot, and it was spinning faster and faster and exploded. I said, where did all this matter come from? He said, well, we don't know that for sure. I said, okay, now, sir, hold it. If I told you that I believe about 6,000 years ago God created the heaven and the earth like the Bible teaches, you're going to say, and where did God come from? And I don't know. But you said 20 billion years ago there was a big bang, and you don't know where the dirt came from. So basically, I believe in the beginning God, and you believe in the beginning dirt. <laughs> don't tell me my theory is religious and yours is science. Oh, no, sir, they're both religious. <laughs> well, it seems no matter how we decipher this life, its meaning, and its meaning, we have to have faith and belief in something. We are beings that have an innate drive to worship. Not because we have to, it's because we were created to worship. If we remove God, we still worship something or someone whether it be nature, creation itself, a celebrity, a team, materialistic belongings, or self-worship. Side note, celebrity worship has always creeped me out. <laughs> Don't do that. No fangirling here. No, no. They are not, they don't deserve the worship at all. Just, no. <laughs> I don't have one thing, I do have one thing to add to Dr. Hoven's point there. He said both are religions, but we as believers don't just have religion. It's so much better than organized religion. We have a relationship with the creator. Oh my gosh, that is amazing. Through his son, Christ Jesus, religions believe in God and our works based. If you are a good person and you do good deeds in this life, it will be enough for you to get into heaven. Good enough. Christianity does not believe this. That's why it's so extraordinary. It is so much more than a list of do's and don'ts. That's so boring. 
We first are saved by knowing Jesus, giving our life and our will over to him. He works in us, making us new. And to show us how grateful we are, we want, we don't have to, we want to do good things and good works for him because he first was so good to us. We aren't forced to follow a set of rules or be shunned by him or made, made to be feel guilty. It's a real, true relationship that grows and gets stronger the closer we come to God and spend time with him. Amen. God is so good. Let's play the second video. It's unproved and unprovable. We believe it because the only alternative is special creation. And that is unthinkable. I mean, you're not even allowed to think that maybe there's a creator. The only alternative, he's right, by the way. The Russian atheist astronomer came to America and spoke at one of the universities, and he said, started off his speech. He said, folks, either there is a God or there isn't. I thought, boy, this guy's brilliant. <laughs> he nailed that point right on the head. i got to give him credit for that one. And then he said... Both possibilities are frightening. I thought, wow, that's a good statement. You see, if there is a God, we better find out who he is and find out what he wants and do what he says. If there is no God, we're in trouble. We're hurtling through space around the sun right now, 66,000 miles an hour, and nobody's in charge. <laughs> That's a scary thought. But if God made the world, he owns it. That means he makes the rules, like the Ten Commandments. We are guilty of breaking his rules. I'll show you. Rule number nine, commandment number nine, thou shalt not bear false witness. That means don't lie. How many of you have ever lied before? Come on. You don't, don't do another one. Put your hand up. <laughs> Give me that pious look. Come on. Number eight, don't steal. How many ever stole something? You already told me you're a liar. Now, come on. You don't have to read very far to realize we're guilty, which means we're going to be punished. Or find a substitute. See, I can't substitute for your sins because i got a whole bunch of my own. But Jesus Christ is not only willing, he's able. He wants to take your place. He wants to pay for your sins. It's real simple. Salvation truly is that simple. We are the ones that complicate it. That's Dr. Kent Hovind. You guys like him? He's an intelligent guy. I really like him. His ministry is to show evidence on how God created the world. The beginning of the world, dinosaurs, the times of Noah, all explained on a timeline that matches up perfectly with the word of God. Whew. Does that make those that rely on evolution ever so mad? I love his sermons and lessons because he's able to simplify difficult concepts. <laughs> that is a valuable ability and dangerous to the enemies of God. The devil really did try to shut this guy up. 
uh, talk about spiritual attacks and on those doing a great work for the kingdom of the Lord. Look him up. He has great material. He's fun to watch, and he will help you connect the dots and answer big questions to give you understanding of God's creation. Yeah, write him down. He's actually, he's got a lot of material, and it's very educational. DrDino.com is his website to find many other resources, such as the Creation Seminar Series. And he offers to go debate atheists. They don't want anything to do with him. It's, it's pretty solid. <laughs> if convincing you that there is no creator didn't work, no worries. Satan has a different strategy for you. He'll try to make you doubt in his own existence. If he can convince the world that there is no threat, that, uh, that makes deceiving you and the world so much easier. The deceiver wants us to believe he's just a myth, that there's no spiritual battle taking place. We're in a spiritual battle whether you want to acknowledge it or not. In the past, we may have been able to skim by without truly facing how fallen this world is. We wouldn't really acknowledge the evil one's presence. It wasn't so blatantly obvious as it is now. We were able to ignore him for the most part. We could stay in our own lane, try not to make big waves, go to church, warm a pew, give our 10%. Do what we thought would bless us, then go and do our own thing for the week. That will no longer cut it. Tolerance for everything is going up, except the tolerance for Christ in his believers. Persecution will increase, even in America. It already has. No longer can we idly stand by on the sidelines. The fight is coming to us. Beware of the spiritual blindness, church. Beware. If we are unaware of or ignorant of the dangers in the unseen realm, it makes us easy prey. Easy prey. We do not continue to ignore evil's presence and hope it'll just go away. Go away. I don't want to deal with you. The veil is being lifted. We are seeing the division in our nation and around the world. The children of light are coming closer to God. And those that are of the world, the children of darkness, they're going the opposite way. Away from the light. They can't stand it. For they love their sins and the darkness that covers them. You see, the only reason we're able to stand in the tenseness, brightness of God's light, his light is so bright, you can't imagine The only reason we can stand in his light is because our sin has been washed away by the blood of Jesus. That is the only way we can stand in his presence. If trying to make us spiritually blind doesn't work, the devil's next course of action against us is to impact our body, our mind, and our soul. Starting with the body. He wants to defile it. He wants to sever our connection to God and his wonderful image that he created in us. There's a number of ways Satan and his lackeys could convince you to defile yourself. 
maybe through fornication, adultery, unhealthy habits. That's a that that's a good one. Body mutilation. Ooh. That weirdly has increased. Why are they mutilating perfectly healthy parts of their bodies? Maybe even through alcohol and substance abuse. He then gets sneaky if that doesn't work. He goes after our nutrition. Hmm. What you eat matters. Have you heard the phrase, you are what you eat? Well, it's true. 70% of our immune system is ruled by the gut. If you're eating junk, our immune system and health aren't going to be top-notch, as we would have liked. It's worrisome how much our food is processed here. Unlike other countries, they banned known harmful chemicals in casar- car- oh my goodness, sorry, carcinogens. Cancer. It's cancer. <laughs> in the U.S., the FDA is still pumping our food full of chemicals, preservatives, additives, and unnatural food dyes that are known to cause a lot of problems. But God is so incredible that even with all the toxic foreign matter in the human body, it is still able to adapt and try to heal itself. Father God has blessed us with bodies that have incredible power. Our bodies were designed to heal themselves. All we have to do is give it the right circumstances of our diet, nutrition, vitamins, and minerals. Let me know if you've heard this lady. Barbara O'Neill. Write her down. I don't really have a slide for her. I wish I did. She's awesome. She's a fantastic woman of God. Barbara O'Neill. She has great teachings on how God created our bodies and how we can properly care for it. Satan went for the body, but that still wasn't enough. God's creation is too, well, it's just too great. He needs to go for something bigger. Your mind. This is his playground. This is his target. He wants to pollute it as much as possible. If he can have your mind, he has you. He will flood you with media and entertainment to influence your thoughts. Are you using this as a tool of God or to waste your time? We have so many TV channels and movies filled with ungodly ideologies and images. It's, it's really hard to watch just normal TV anymore. And the butt of every joke is aimed at a clueless Christian white guy. Oh, I wonder why. Or the villain is some bigoted Christian that has no tolerance for others. The movies that we watch give us a spirit of fear and plant seeds that poison and suffocate the things of God. The music that he produces has message, messages of destruction, violence, and harm to one another. That sounds very productive. What we listen to has influence over us. Seek pleasure. Seek pleasure. I hear most songs say, well, people just say, it's just a song. It has a really good beat. It doesn't affect how I see my world or random people on the street. Why do we grieve the Holy Spirit with what we consume? Sadly, it does affect you and how you view the world. 
Whatever dominates the majority of your time is what forms your mind. This is where your priorities lie. Sitting on a phone, looking for your next dopamine high. The entertainment that preoccupies our spare moments has the the ability to influence behaviors, beliefs, and social dynamics. All that we consume becomes a part of us, pouring into our soul. This is what he's after. Satan is filled with hatred. He becomes the essence, the very essence of everything God is against. He is God's adversary. That literally is what he is. He isn't able to hurt God or bring, de- bring God down. So he goes for the next best thing, his beloved. That's us. We are the product of his love, made special in his own image. He wants to drag us down with him to his eternal punishment. Hell wasn't made for us, everyone. It was made for the fallen angels and for the devil because they turned against God. He doesn't want us to go there, but it's a choice. Have you ever heard that God's a gentleman? He's not going to force you to love him. That's not love if you have to be forced. That's why our diet should not only feed our bodies, but we are to feed our souls the things of God. To describe the soul would be an individual's consciousness, desires, and emotions. Our souls should be filled with the Holy Spirit to overflow into all other aspects of life. Just like God's love for us goes into our cup, it overflows. It overflows, it goes to everybody else's cup, that overflows. Love is vertical, everyone. The Holy Spirit needs to overflow into all other aspects of our life. You would think that messing with our body, mind, and soul would be enough of an impact for the evil one, but it is not. He has, he has help in his plans thus far, but now he brings in even more reinforcements to attack you anywhere they can. Demons of every level, the lower-ranking ones that are sent to be petty and just annoy you, all the way up to the high-ranking principalities sent to torment you until you break. Snares of the enemy are set up throughout your day. They could try to entice with self-seeking pleasures. Ooh, that's a nice thing over there. You should take it. Or maybe, hey, you know that one site? We should go look at it. What, what they can entice you with is endless. Whatever you desire, they'll entice you with it. Next, they will harass. If, other, if the others don't work, harassing. They will harass you all day, one thing right after another, pushing your buttons, making you feel overwhelmed. <laughs> trying to leave the house you're in a hurry the kids are screaming and complaining you're just trying to get out the door your jacket gets caught in the on the doorknob and yanking you back violently spilling your coffee all over down your shirt that's it 
that's the last straw. You explode with anger, and now everyone's upset, and the whole car ride there to your destination is just awful. And if you really let them get to you, it could ruin the rest of your day. Now, torment. This one, this is what they love. If they can get you mentally through emotions, overthinking, worrying, anxiety, and you can't stop from spiraling. You just get in this mindset. You can't stop it. Maybe you have a strong mind, so they'll torment you maybe through your physical. You're exhausted. You're restless. You just got over being sick. And then comes a different sickness the kids brought from school. Maybe you're in chronic pain or have arthritis and have to suffer daily. They love to torment us. Maybe compel. Maybe compel would work. It's much like entice, except it's more forceful. Like, you, you have to do this. You really have to. An urge or a pressure to do something and it's starting to become a habit. If they can enslave you, you're no longer a threat. They have complete control. Pleasure becomes habit, then leads to addiction. Over 37 million people, 12 and older, actively use illicit substances. 25.4% of all users of these drugs suffer from drug dependency. 29.5 million people ages 12 and older have an alcohol use disorder. I guess alcoholic became offensive. I don't know that term. Alcohol use disorder. And those that are addicted to porn, I found a study that said 14% of Americans... But it was self-reporting, so those statistics, I imagine, are uh, not right. They're much higher than that. Those that are enslaved are suffering, but not able to stop. These substances can also open doors to demonic activity, especially drugs, man. And shedding the veil from your eyes to see the spiritual realm. And you don't want to, unless it's from God. You don't want to go in there. This is the most detrimental, this one that they use. To deceive and to lie until you are persuaded to think that you are defiled. That you are unclean and unworthy of salvation. That you have no worth. To bring you to such desperation that life seems hopeless. The worst thing an evil spirit can do is make you feel so down that you can't get out out of this awful mindset. You just have a bad attitude towards your situation. You can't find anything positive about it. If they can deceive you so much that you aren't thinking clearly... You'd do anything to get peace, to finally have relief. This is their goal, that moment of desperation. They send a hot, fiery arrow straight into your mind. That thought, it could all end. That is a straight lie from hell. They are desperately trying to convince you to end your life. 
They don't want to take any chances with you, Christian. They don't want you witnessing to any more lost souls or doing any type of work for the kingdom of heaven. They desperately want to get rid of you. If these demons are sending these horrible thoughts to you, they want to get you at your lowest so there is no chance of your life getting better. Maybe they can see that you're on the way to knowing Jesus as your Savior, and they want to intercept that before that awesome thing can happen. Church, these attacks are very real. I have someone in my life that I love dearly that went through a spiritual attack similar to this. It was during the night... She was dreaming, and she doesn't often dream, she told me. So that was unusual itself. Well, in this dream, she was unaliving herself and was able to see in vivid detail what she was doing. She awoke a bit shaken up. What's going on? But was eventually able to go back to sleep. As soon as she fell asleep again, she was right back in that same dream, doing the same awful thing. This time she got up and grabbed a little scripture that was on her bedside table. It was Psalms 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord God... It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pastures. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Oh, thank you, Lord. And his courts with praise. Oh, praise his holy name. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His Faithfulness continues through all generations. After she read that, the attack completely stopped. She was at peace. She hasn't had another attack happen since that night. Praise God. I am so incredibly glad that she went straight to the word of God to fight off the evil spirits that sent that were sent to torment her it could have been different if instead she chose to hide in fear just go away you see fear is worship to satan this is his drug of choice oh he lives for this high that's why he has such hatred for us we as christians only fear the lord Oh, how truly empowering it is to only fear the creator. He is the only one that has power to destroy our soul. It is the beginning of wisdom to fear the Lord. For Satan has no power or authority over us. For we are Christ's beloved. He paid for me. Cleared of sin. I am free. I am free. In this battle, we must take all our thoughts captive. 
fiery arrows from the enemy shot at will. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Not all thoughts that we have are our own. Guard your mind. These dark negative thoughts come from Satan and demonic spirits. Shooting arrows, relying on you to just take one for your own. That's your thought. I know it is. You have the ability to reject it or accept it. If you accept it, you take that thought over. You agree with it, taking ownership, speaking it into existence, or acting upon it. If you have a thought that's not yours, get rid of it. Just get rid of it. Don't think about it anymore. Don't take hold of it. Rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Give it to God and move on. Satan's access to us is through our mind. He tries to get us to use our God-given power of speech and free will to destroy ourselves. He's a master manipulator, that Satan. Those were difficult subjects. I'm sorry that we have to talk about them, but it's good. Many are, cha- many are challenges that we ourselves are facing, or we know loved ones that are struggling. Rather than pretend they don't exist, we need to confess that we do stumble and fall sometimes. Although we are serving a forgiving God, he is also righteous and just. This means he can't ignore sin and unrighteousness. I had a thought. Um, In the Bible, it used leprosy a lot. Leprosy, your flesh is falling off. And I had the image, sin corrupts our God-given bodies. Does God smell our sin as our rotting flesh of this world? Yeah, no wonder he's disgusted by our sin. When we have sin in our lives that hasn't been forgiven, we give legal rights to the accuser. The legal courts of heaven have been there since the beginning. God made Adam and granted him, granted mankind legal domain over the earth and the right to control the affairs of the earth. Once the fall happened, Adam legally gave domain of the earth over to Satan. Mankind, after the fall, is now spiritually dead, lost his liberties and his relationship with God. Talk about a rough day. Man thus became, man thus became a slave to Satan and sin. But through Jesus and his death and resurrection, he claimed man's legal rights to life and liberty and gave mankind a new kingdom and reconciled us to the Father. And that's where we're at right now. God is the ultimate and original source of all authority. All of creation is under his laws and authority. That includes Satan. (laughs) He is subject to to God's authority and power. He still has to bring cases before the Lord. Remember Job? He had to go into the courtroom quite a bit for Job. That's why Satan has to be so cunning in getting us to trip up. 
In our transgressions, he uses them so that in the court of heaven, it may be evidence against us. Satan may have the right to bring you into a time of trials because we give him that legal right. But take heart and remember, we are never alone. Praise God. We are never alone. Jesus empathizes and strengthens us. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Oh, thank God he didn't sin. What would we do? Hebrews chapter 4, 15. When we break God's laws, we give legal right to be oppressed. Trials in life are inevitable. However, God can use these challenges to strengthen us. God honors agreements and contracts that we make, even if they aren't good ones. I think of Saul. And who did he go to to talk to Samuel when he passed away? A medium. Are we supposed to talk to the dead? No. Did he still do it? Yeah. (laughs) He totally gave his legal rights up to the devil. But why aren't we supposed to talk to them? Isn't that my loved one? I want to know if they're in a better place. That's not your loved one. That's a familiar spirit. Don't talk to them. That is one that followed them around in this lifetime, and they are deceiving you. They will tell you, oh, they're in such a good place. This is a non-believer. They're in such a good place. Go ahead and keep on living your life the way they did. You don't have to be saved. They're fine. Don't listen to spirits that have died. When we die, where do we go? Who are we with? We're in Christ Jesus. We don't come back. So he honors those contracts. For example, if we say, I'm stupid, The devil has the right to oppress you in that way. Watch about what you say. Watch your habits. Make sure to know and agree with the word of God about who we are and what God says about us. And break those ungodly agreements. I'm trying to decide if you guys are ready for this video. It's extreme. I'm not going to lie. It has drug use in it. I don't know. Hold on. So I we're gonna do it. We're gonna we're gonna try this out, guys. So this next video is a little bit out there. I'm not gonna lie, but it's a perfect image of what we've been talking about. So this is a warning. This is an extreme example of backsliding into sin. The reason I picked it was because it encompasses the Christian struggle so well. The whole point of Christianity is that we were once part of the sin, living in the world. God, by his strength, gave us faith to come to him so that we may be saved. This video, it's also a real testimony and insight of how the spiritual courts work and how we can give legal rights over to the enemy if we are not careful. So this man that we're going to watch, his name is Joshua. 
And Joshua made a grave mistake. He fell into one of Satan's traps. He backslid into something God brought him out of. In this case, it was drug use. In an attempt to convince himself that he wasn't dying, I'm not dying, he tells himself, no one has ever died from ingesting this substance. It's impossible. You can't die from this. You just can't die. He's telling himself this. As soon as he said that in his pride and arrogance, he heard God say to him, Who says I can't stop your heart whenever I want? This is what happens next. Go ahead and roll. At this point, I'm like fully just in the spirit realm. I'm leaving my body and I'm just gone. And what happens is I find myself floating in this black abyss. And I didn't really know what was going on at first. And then vision started to come to it. Next thing I knew, I was in a hand. I was in this big hand, just laying there, helpless. And I said, oh my gosh. When the Bible says that to fall into the hand of the living God is a dreadful and fearful thing, it's not a joke. And all of a sudden, on my right hand, I just see like 20, 30 demons. And on my left... It was like the kingdom of heaven. I'm in a hand in the middle of this abyss. I knew hell was under me. It was just a dark abyss of blackness. But I knew if I got dropped, like I was done. All these demons are on my right side. This one that was like bigger than the other one stood up and he said, we're tired of this kid. They said, he keeps coming to our kingdom and taking people out. And then he came back and ate off our table. Once he said that, it was like everything hit me. Like the fullness of my mistake was like, oh my gosh, what did you do? I was in like the courts of heaven. Like there was a court case happening and I'm getting persecuted by, by the devil. I can't hear what's going on. And all I know is I'm terrified. I could feel my organs shriveling up. I wish I could find the words for how helpless I felt. Like I was in a hand and knew that there was nothing I could do and that these demons were coming to get me. Like they, they were like, this kid invited us here. He, he broke a law. And, like, this was a, a major infraction, and we're, we're coming to get justice on this. I said, God, you know what? I believe you're just. I said, Jesus, I made a big mistake, but you're my Lord, my Savior. I said, I give up. I surrender to your hand. And I went limp, and I started feeling myself dying. And all of a sudden, I just said, God, I, I need to be here for my family and for, like, every person in my life that you've called me to, like, help. Forget about me. I need to as soon as I started saying that, I started feeling the pressure of, like, death start to release me. Six or seven, like, saints, angels, like, came around me, and they started praying for me. All of a sudden, everything's attention, even, like, heaven's attention, all turned, and it was a, sh- and it was a shadow of a cross. And all of a sudden, I look over, and Jesus starts walking out of the kingdom of heaven. He walks up to me, puts his arm around me. And says, this one is mine. He belongs to me. When people talk about the goodness of God, it's like, it is great. Bro, he acted like it didn't, what just happened didn't happen. That's how he looked at me as if he was happy to see me. As if he was proud of me. His eyes were love and he literally smiled and said, maybe we shouldn't do that again. And I'm glad that Joshua has come to Christ and has learned from his mistake. 
Joshua didn't just open a door to the spiritual realm. He kicked that door down. He didn't just, uh, don't be messing with those doors of the spiritual realm. He was legally in the devil's territory. But because he sincerely was asking for forgiveness and gave himself up to Jesus, he had repented. He had a repented heart, and angels came around him praying over him. And Jesus personally, Jesus personally comes to him and claims him as his own. Praise God. Man, what hope do we have in Jesus? That is such good news. Maybe that video didn't connect to you very well, but I can guarantee, guarantee younger generations are connecting to that. What did we say the statistic of uh, drug use was? 37 million people? That could be a very hard-hitting testimony for some people. Man, we've seen the evil one's tactics. Now that we know how he works in what he uses against us, here is our battle plan that God has given us to defeat the devil in spiritual warfare. Align with God and heighten your spiritual senses. Be aware of your thoughts that come to you. Not all of them are yours. And the agreements you make. Watch what you say. Know your legal rights in Christ. He gives us power and authority. Jesus defeated Satan on the cross. He said, it is finished. We don't have to do anymore. You hear about all the new prophets? What, what, are, what are the new prophets going to do? It is finished. It is finished. Jesus came to destroy the spiritual strongholds of Satan and is in interceding for us every day. We have the best defense in all of creation on our side. We can boldly live our lives for him with no fear of the evil one. Put on the full armor of God. Everybody goes, yeah, the belt, the breastplate. What does that mean? Well, I'll explain it to you. Put on the full armor of God. Let truth be the center of all that we are. Protect our heart with righteousness from God. Bring the gospel of peace with you wherever you go. The faith that God gives to us is our shield. It's to shield you from the evil one's arrows and lies. Salvation is to be always present in our mind. Our salvation, we are saved. That, in our mind, that it will not be deceived. And the sharp word of God to fight my battles when, the Satan, that when Satan attacks. That I may rebuke him and proclaim the promises of God over my life. And he will flee. Know God's voice. Know his word. And you will know his will. Have daily fellowship with God. It doesn't take an extravagant 
proper setting. All you have to do is talk with him. Have fellowship. Spend time with him. Talk to him like he's your granddad. Talk to him like he's your dad. He is your spiritual dad. We love him. He created us. This has been a wonderful time. I was so excited to do this. I hope this word blessed you today. I hope it opened your eyes to what we're facing. The, the times are changing. We are in a battle. If you have any questions about this stuff, I am more than welcome to talk with you and come to understanding with you. Let us close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time we shared as a church. I thank you for everyone that is here today. Bless them, their lives, their families. I pray that you guide them as you go out into the world. May our communities see your mighty hand at work. Bless us with your strength to go forth into this fallen world to do your will and to be your hands and feet. Give us a holy boldness to be your righteous ones, shining your light and loving those that need it the most. The ones that are living in sin and rejecting your grace, may we be able to connect with them, to have friendships, trusting relationships with those that are lost, so that we can love them and we can be there for them. We want to see great blessings in their lives. We want to see them saved, Father God. Just as your will for our lives, Father, I pray we encourage to come, to, we have the courage to confront evil and wicked things with peace in our hearts. Give us the strength to do your will and truly bless us to have hearts full of love and compassion for those that do not know you, Father. Let us be your reflection, Jesus, to care for people enough to tell them the truth, to point them to the way, the only way to find eternal life. You are the way, Jesus. We have no fear in our lives because we have you. We pray all these wonderful things to you, Father God, in your precious, precious, precious Son's name. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be your name. Amen. I want to thank you for joining today's sermon podcast. You can find a copy of today's sermon, as well as other sermons, and the sermon outline from today on our church's website, www.mvcnaz.org. It is my prayer also that you will seek out a church home that recognizes the authority of the Bible.